0: This is Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, here today with co-host and co-founder Suzanne Kreider. Hi, Suzanne. Hello. Good to see you. So Suzanne, we've been at this for many years and early in the series, we did a number of programs spotlighting mediation programs in specific places, mediation programs in middle schools, mediation programs in the workplace. Uh, We even talked with political candidates who had experience as mediators. So we're going to revisit mediation today. Tell us why we're going in that direction this particular time.
1: This time is different because I'm part of the class. So I'm sitting in a classroom and there are 21 people, including me, and I am blown away by all the participants. They're all so interesting and so different.
0: So this is a mediation course, a training where people are coming together for what different reasons to learn mediation skills.
1: Absolutely. They're coming for different reasons. Some people want to use mediation in their work. Some people want to become professional mediators. Other people simply want to learn to communicate more effectively.
0: So we're going to hear from some of the students and also trainers.
1: Yes, exactly. You'll hear from the instructor, Anne Leitze, as well as four different people who I interviewed who were in the class.
0: All right. So we were always interested in encouraging our Uh, audience to be able to draw some specific tips, even if they don't think, well, gee, I don't think I'm going to be in a mediation class anytime soon, which might be something they'll decide to do after hearing this. But in general, what should our audience be listening for that they might be able to apply to their daily lives from uh, the people that we'll hear from today?
1: they'll hear from very diverse perspectives. And I think mainly what people talk about is how to communicate more effectively in conflict. When people are in conflict, they're very heated. So it's a difficult time to really get people to talk honestly and to be able to listen to what other people are saying to hear a different perspective so you're going to hear people who i interviewed talk about how to deal with this
0: right in a conflict for someone in the workplace or someone with their family or someone in a shopping line there are some similarities about that skills that need to be applied that will be universal
1: Exactly. And so some of those universal skills are really listening, how to listen to people more accurately, and also how to help people get underneath what they say the conflict is. People come in and say, oh, the conflict is A. Actually, the conflict might be X, Y, or Z. And so part of the mediator's job is to get underneath. And to also help them calm down and listen to the other person. These are all difficult things that people do during mediation.
0: And then using their own words back to them to make sure that they've been heard.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't take a person's word and then turn it into our own word. Mm -hmm. For example, I was in a workshop recently where I was talking to over 300 people and I said something about yes, it was because I was helping people. Well, a woman heard me, she came up later and she said, you know, I stopped for the same reason you stopped, because I felt like it was all about me. I said, I don't think I said that. And she said, yes, you said you were helping people. And I said, well, that's not, that's the word I use, helping people, not it was all about me. So we often do this when we listen to people because we don't want to parrot and say the same thing they said. However, it often helps to use people's own words instead of translating it into what you believe they said.
0: Mm, so resist the temptation to paraphrase in this case, plagiarism is a good idea. It is a, a good idea
1: because people have their own thoughts in their, in their own head. Mm-hmm. So it's like we hear uh, blue and we go, oh, yeah, oh you mean sort of like purplish-greenish. No, I mean blue. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. <laughs> Even though you're saying purplish-greenish, please say blue because that's what I see.
0: Yeah, and there's so many different shades of blue. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's go to this mediation training in Albuquerque, New Mexico from 2018.
2: Uh, My name is Ann Lightsey and I work as a mediator and as a corporate trainer and facilitator and as an organizational
1: ombuds. You've been teaching this mediation class for many years. Why do you teach it? Oh, my God. I love that question. I teach
2: because um, I watch these skills change people's lives. I feel like I'm like imparting magic. I've had people come back and say that um, they uh, talk to their teenagers differently. I had a woman say that she really thinks that she, these skills prevented her child from committing suicide. I've had another woman who's the director of a very large organization say that she really just goes about managing and leading people very differently than she did before.
1: I hate conflict. As a mediator, I probably shouldn't. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) I think we are
2: hardwired to hate conflict. That's what the research shows. So I don't think that this makes us not like or makes us like conflict. I think this gives us the tools to deal with conflict more constructively.
1: Like what tools?
2: One is listening in a different way, and two is maybe understanding the dynamics of conflict and the root causes of conflict. And really, I hope what people leave here with is understanding that what the surface conflict is is not oftentimes what the real heart of the conflict is. So they have the ability to acknowledge, to listen, to reframe, to ask open-ended questions, and to understand that they need to really take some layers off um, to really understand what's really happening in the conflict.
1: They do those skills, but what happens to their anger and their normalness as a human being? What happens to the mediator's anger?
2: Uh, I don't know that I know the answer to that. I, I'm thinking about the last time I needed to use these skills in a personal conflict. So anger's not my go-to kind of uh, injustice might be, but um, even like I think of another time when I had a situation where I felt that there was tremendous injustice being done to me. I just feel like these skills help me understand where I'm coming from and it also helps me understand where the other person is coming from and that helps mitigate
1: some of my anger. Even when you feel like you're in the right, let's say, in terms of justice, Mm -hmm. and you believe they're in the wrong, Mm -hmm. how do you keep listening to them and not say, hey, you're wrong? Mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing we do at the mediation table, where we
2: really, it's our job to come with a mindset of curiosity rather than conclusion. So I come and try to really understand. I hear that you really believe X and I really believe Y. Can you tell me why you believe X and why you believe that so strongly? I'm into
1: simple, like <laughs> that person's right, that person's wrong. <laughs> so in mediation, we're not into simple, is that true? <laughs>
2: uh, in mediation, we are definitely not into you are right and you are wrong. So we are non-judgmental and we are neutral. And I think what we really try to bring is that Everybody is right from how they see the world. They So I'm not looking for the right. I'm looking for your right and the other person's right.
1: Define positions versus interests. That's something mediators listen for, positions versus interests. So this is a huge topic,
2: and it's a complex topic. It's not easy for most people to understand. But if you think about it, a position is... The, it's a solution, it's a demand, and it's the what someone wants. So I want you to take your Christmas decorations down uh, the 1st of January. That's a, a position, and in conflict resolution, we don't pay a lot of um, attention to positions because that may not really be what's at the heart of the conflict why is it important to you that I take my Christmas decorations down is what we're really looking for. So the position is the what, the interest is the why that position is important. And it takes a lot of skill and practice to move from understanding what someone's position is to having them feel comfortable saying and identifying what their interests are. It's a very, it's a big complex topic.
1: Are you saying it's a lot to let go of? our position and move to interest
2: no it's I'm not asking anyone to let go of it I'm just asking them to say we start off with the position but help me go with you on this journey to understand why that position is so important to you so you don't ever have to let go of it I just have to understand what is underneath that position and we often use the um, analogy of an iceberg where Uh, the position is what you see on top of the water and then it's everything that's below that is the interest so you can still have your position i just need to know why that position is so important to you
1: name some examples of interests so interests are
2: things like fairness appreciation inclusion respect self-identity safety those sort of things
1: I think one interest, too, is to avoid embarrassment. But isn't that normal? I don't want my clothes falling off. (laughs) (laughs) I want to avoid embarrassment. So isn't that a normal human reaction?
2: Well, I think all of those are normal needs. So these are needs. Interests are needs that we have. We have a need to be treated fairly, to be treated with respect, to not be excluded, to have a sense of safety, to um, not be embarrassed. And so what happens is when those core human needs get violated, then we have a tendency to have conflict. So in mediation, your job is to kind of figure out what core needs are being violated and then help the person figure out what they want to do about getting
1: those needs met. Are you saying there's another way to get them met than having conflicts?
2: (laughs) I think I am saying that. I think that, uh, yeah, I think once, I think what happens is when people are in conflict, they oftentimes do not even know what their interests are. They just know that something is not working, but they don't know what it is. So mediation helps people identify it and then kind of figure out, now that I know what I really need, how do I go about getting that met in a way that is not uh, conflictual?
0: That's Ann Leitze, the trainer who facilitated the six session mediation training in Albuquerque, New Mexico that our Peace Talks Radio co-host and co-founder Suzanne Kreider took, along with 20 others in late 2018. To learn more about what some of those trainees learned from the training and how they hope to use it, Suzanne picked out four to speak with.
3: My name is Shane Baca and I live in San Antonio, New Mexico. I work for the National Radio Astronomy Observatory located 52 miles west of Socorro out on the plains of San Agustin. I've been out there for about 25 and a half years and my primary role is I do the heating ventilation and air conditioning as well as all the plumbing, the water, the wastewater supply and the fire suppression, air compressors and fuel systems and almost anything else they need help with.
1: You're taking this mediation class. Why?
3: Well, I thought it would help me with communicating. Um, there's some plans in the works for maybe expanding the facility, and so if that happens, we'll be getting a lot more people in, and which is going to mean a lot more diverse people. So I thought, well, this way, I think it would help um, help us all get along since we're all out there together so much.
1: So, I'm not asking you to name names, but you said you want to improve your communication, get along better. Like, what are some ways that people need to get along better?
3: Well, out there where we're at, since we're so isolated, we're around each other for 10, 12 hours a day. So, and we've been there, a lot of us have been there for a long time. Like I said, I've been there for 25 plus, and there's other guys that have been there that long too. So, you, you kind of start getting a lot of little personality conflicts. Uh, between group leaders and so when the new people come in and stuff it's it's hard for them to to get in with with some of the people just because we've been together so long we're a pretty tight knit group but at the same time we're around each other an awful lot (laughs) so you the, the people's little quirks and and idiosyncrasies they start to add up over time
1: Yeah, it's almost like a marriage, like little quirky things like the way you talk or clear your throat or just something like that could drive someone nuts. Is that true?
3: It is. Um, We ride a bus to work a lot of times, and guys will be on the bus, and it's like, you know, you you hear the same guy coughing every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, and after a while, it starts getting on your nerves, you know?
1: How is mediation class helping?
3: Well, to me, it's, it's taught me how to listen. You know, when, when people say that you need to listen or, or hear them speak, there really is a, a technique to it. Um, you're just not hearing their words and stuff. It's, it's really listening to each word to me, you know, and, and what's behind those words. What are they really feeling deep down inside? What's motivating them? I found that that's really been helping me a lot lately out there.
1: Talk about how it's helping you because I'm curious if you're I wonder sometimes when we're listening if we make up stuff and then project it oh yeah I know what you're feeling do you ever feel like you're projecting or how do you feel it's helping?
3: I think you're right on that in the past I, I really did do that a lot you know I would start planning the conversation out, you know, trying to guess what they're going to tell me ahead of time, you know, and now that I've taken this class, it's, it's made me really realize that's not the thing to do, you know, it's just listen to them and be there for the people whenever we're speaking, when we're having a meeting, and I've noticed it's really helped a lot whenever I've been in some of the, the work groups here lately since I've started the class. Um, I've gotten comments. From some of the people i work with you know where they're they're really impressed they're like wow you know we really see a difference you know in 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 my listening and stuff uh and and i've noticed a difference in how people are reacting as well we seem to really be interacting a lot better in the uh the different groups and stuff because in my job i get to travel throughout the facility all day long and i meet almost everybody every day so, I really get a lot of contact time, and it's been really nice since the class started.
1: How could a listener listen to someone and not go nuts? Because, what do you do as a human being that helps you stay calm when people might be driving you crazy?
3: That one's been tough. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, especially out there, um, because it, there's there's some people that are difficult, you know, and, and I'm sure they feel the same way about some of, about me and about some of the other people as well. Um, it's just it's just listening. I don't know. It's, it's kind of strange in, in figuring out what what are they really telling me? You know, it's it's the feeling that they're bringing and the emotion that they're bringing deep down, is what i'm i'm listening for now and that is what's making a difference not so much you know like they're complaining about that it's too hot or it's too cold or something like that it's there's something personal to them inside
1: you're listening for the feeling then what do you do with that it takes me a while to process
3: that still actually since it's so new to me to be listening for that it's it's still new to me um and it's powerful whenever i recognize what it is deep down that they're telling me it's a, it's an eye opener it really is you know and, and then we can we feel like we connect a little better once i realize what it is they're telling me
1: So I'm thinking about our listeners and tips you can give them. You're listening, you're getting their feeling, you're connecting. Is there something you do next, or is it just the connection that helps people calm down?
3: I think it's the connection and and just listening to them. I think they can actually see the fact that I'm listening to them, genuinely listening to them, not just looking at them. I think in the past I I might look at them, But because I was trying to guess where the conversation was going, there might have been just a slight difference in how I looked. Because now that I'm really listening to them, people do react differently. I guess they could see the the genuineness.
1: Aha. So we can't fake genuineness. What's a tip you would give our listeners on looking genuine really like oh yeah I really look like I'm listening what's a tip?
3: I think eye contact eye contact really helps a lot you know it really gets that connection between the two people and it really solidifies that.
1: What do you plan to do with mediation in the future?
3: For me it's it's been I don't know if I'll ever be a mediator per se like out professionally doing it Um, but I think just the communication that I'm going to have with other people now is going to be so much better because of this class. I've I've noticed differences already. and So I, I think that's going to be the, the best use for me, is just how I can interact with people and how they respond to me.
1: One worry I have is letting go of who you really are. So I'm wondering what you can tell our listeners so you're genuinely listening you're making eye contact you're interested in the feeling and are you letting go of who you really are
3: you know that's an interesting question because i really did struggle with that at the beginning of the class i really really did um and it wasn't until about the second or third class that it really hit me that i have to be me i can't be somebody else i can't speak like somebody else I have to be true to myself and just be who I am. you know, um, whether I'm a little loud or, or laugh a little too much or just the, the persona that comes out, I, I have to be me. And I think people see that. They can see when somebody is just relaxed because they're being themselves. You know it comes through in your voice and in your posture. I think and in the rhythm of how you talk to somebody it was really surprising to me I, I hadn't really thought about it much like I said but it's, it's to be me and it's it's a big thing to be yourself it's a little scary but you feel like
1: you can incorporate your you being genuine
3: I think so it's it's a learning process that's for sure it, it hasn't come easy by no means has it come easy it's been pretty tough because I'm not used to communicating in this way. It's so new to me. Being out there, I work, you know, with these guys for a long time and we just communicate differently because we've been around each other, you know. It's, it's a little rough sometimes in, in how we speak to each other. So being in this class, it's given a different perspective and a, and a different style. So it's been tough learning this and it's going to take a lot of practice still, even beyond the class, you know, to remind myself, you know, make eye contact and just listen to them, deep down, listen and pay attention.
0: That's mediation training student Shane Baca talking to our Suzanne Kreider. I'm Peace Talks radio producer Paul Ingalls and today Suzanne is taking us into a deep dive of the experience of taking a six session mediation training in Albuquerque, New Mexico from 2018. She took the training along with 20 others and we'll hear from three more of those participants during the rest of the show. We'll continue after this break. You're listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. We're online at peacetalksradio.com. You can hear all the programs in our series going back to 2002 there. You can also download the audio of most shows from there, or you can get our podcast from iTunes and get the whole collection of programs from there. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls today with our co founder and co host Suzanne Kreider who late in 2018 took a six-session mediation training program with 20 other attendees. We're set to hear from more of Suzanne's fellow coursemates now as we continue to hear what they learned from the course that might help us all mediate the conflicts in our own lives.
4: My name is Beulah John. I am Human Resources Manager for Navajo Agricultural Products Industry. It's a tribal enterprise on the Navajo Nation producing agricultural products and selling to markets, local and national, and as well as internationally. I've been with the organization, it'll be 12 years in December, and my primary responsibilities within the organization are training, developing our staff, uh, particularly our management team, and administering our personnel policies and procedures, and assisting the organization in maintaining compliance with um, applicable employment laws within the organization. You're in this mediation class. What's the reason you took this? The reason I took the class was to get a little more insight into the the process of mediation. I've I've heard of this concept and my interest in it is to see how I can implement some of the practices within the workplace. What practices in particular are you interested in implementing? Um, what I've learned in the class so far is um, getting more in depth into the listening skills and then being able to help parties um, discuss matters that um, they need to address and in hopes of helping them to come to a solution or some form of a resolution to their to their issue or concerns that they may have. And in my experience working um, with my employer, I um, have seen it where I think this mediation process would be helpful in um, our workers being able to openly discuss matters, not necessarily through um, what we utilize as a grievance process, where it's a little more formal. Um, I think the mediation process is a little more informal and allows um, the parties to be able to openly discuss their concerns, and I think that's, that's what I'm trying to look for with our organization. Would a person come to mediation before a grievance? Ideally, I think we would we would consider a mediation process in an effort to not necessarily detract from a grievance, but at least as an extra step to a grievance process. Um, in my view, I think just from what I've experienced with with the workplace I I am at. Um, I think this mediation would be one step that um, our our employees could consider rather than going through a formal grievance process. With mediation, what's the main thing you've learned from this class? The main thing I've learned with Anne's class is um, taking that time to pay attention to the gems, the interests, and um, being able to reframe what you're, what you're hearing from the parties that are, that are discussing things and showing them that um, you have an interest in what they're discussing and letting them know that you, you hear them and you're taking into consideration what they're saying, but not necessarily that you're, you're there to try to resolve the matter. You're, you're there as a, as a means of support to help them um, being able to talk things through to come to some form of a solution. Why is it so important that you hear their interest? I think for me, from what I've learned in this class, um, it helps to engage so that you're able to reframe what they're saying and help the parties understand what the other person's concerns are without having that person to come out and say what their issue is. Um, I think it, it it helps detract from any type of negative connotations or any um allegations or accusations that that could arise in in a discussion like that. um having that that um look listening for interests, I think it helps the the party be able to to show the the two parties involved that. you know, there's I hear what you're saying, and i I see, but. Do, do both of you understand, or do all parties see that as well?
1: When you think about our
4: listeners,
1: what do you feel listeners need to know about resolving conflict?
4: I think one of the main things um, to pay attention to is the interest from the parties involved. Taking that time to not only hear, but at least understand what... What they may be discussing or what issues or concerns they may have and that would help you be able to convey to both parties what what the issue may be without having in a a sense you're almost speaking for them but not necessarily um, telling them what the issue is you're helping them resolve um, come up with with the issue to come to a resolution I don't want you to break confidentiality, but I'm curious if you've used any of these
1: skills in your HR position already.
4: Considering that we've had five, four of the six sessions so far, um, I have I have recognized where some of the skills that I've I've learned through this course have been helpful in in my workplace, um, particularly the reframing and. I, I find myself listening more for gems and interests when I'm talking to employees, uh, my peers and my colleagues as well. And I'm finding myself using a lot more of the reframing and it's 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 been helpful and I, I see the the a, a slight change in perspective where I think I'm kind of displaying more engagement and some employees where their perception may be that, I'm not necessarily going to listen to them or HR is not going to solve the problem. The perception is changing in that employees are seeing more engagement from HR. Um, I have a staff member that's in this class with me and I think between the two of us, we've seen some changes and we're, we're seeing where we're both beginning to utilize some of the skills that we've learned so far. That's so exciting. Can you say what changes you're seeing? For myself, I'm seeing a lot more willingness to discuss matters or concerns. I'm seeing a a little more reaction in the sense of wanting to discuss and talk things through further in order to come to a solution. And it's helped where where some matters may be um, closed out early, where parties don't want to listen to one another. I'm starting to see where... It has helped because you're, in a sense, as as not not practicing as a mediator per se. You're taking some of the skills that that you've been learning and then applying them to the workplace. For me, I'm seeing where our employees are; they're starting to notice that difference, and it's it's helpful in that we're able to to have more of a discussion rather than um, kind of basically what I've seen in the past is. Just simply stating that they don't want to continue any further, or they'd rather not pursue anything further, because in their view, um, it's it's never going to be resolved. or just some form of resistance not wanting to resolve. I, I think I'm seeing a little more change in where there's there's a little more willingness to to want to talk things through.
1: You mentioned interest. Give me a quick definition of interest and what's a favorite interest that you really listen to or
4: hear a lot? Interests are, in some respects, the issues or the concern that an individual may have, um, what they're seeking to either address or resolve with, with a second party or with with one or more other parties, and when you're listening for interest, I think in my experience, what I've what I'm hearing a lot is the concern for not being simply just not being heard. And I think going through these conversations in a, in a mediation form, it's opening that door to improving communication, having um, employees or individuals more willing to discuss things and potentially even recognizing from their own standpoint what the issue may be.
1: You mentioned that you listen for gems. Which ones do you hear the most often or which ones really jump out?
4: I think for me, it's in the work environment, it's, it's what I'm hearing is more along the lines of wanting to be acknowledged a level of a form or level of acknowledgement um, whether it may be something so minute of a task that's been completed a simple acknowledgement that an employee has completed that or um, somewhere in some cases gone above and beyond their their regular responsibilities to get things done Um, another one would be Validating concerns, um, conveying to others that you, you hear what they're saying and you, you, you're, you're comprehending, not necessarily that you understand where they're coming from, but you hear them and you're, you're understanding what, what they're saying. And I think there's, there's a little more um, appreciation for that, that that I've seen so far.
5: My name is Matt Lohman. I'm currently the executive director of Horizons of New Mexico. Uh, Horizons in New Mexico is the nonprofit that administers the New Mexico State Use Act, which is a law that helps uh, provide employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities. The way the law works is that state and local government agencies provide uh, contract preference for small businesses that are owned by and employ individuals with disabilities and nonprofits that employ individuals with disabilities. The work is particularly uh, of interest to me because I'm both very interested in helping people who are un or underemployed gain employment, as well as myself. I'm an individual with a disability, so uh, I find I've only been on the job for s- six months, but in the time I found it very rewarding.
1: Tell me about your disability.
5: I guess I've always had a disability and that is that I have achondroplasia which is the most common form of dwarfism but to be honest with you I didn't really consider myself to be an individual with a disability until I was 21 and that's when I uh, had a spinal spinal injury spinal cord injury that it was it was a spinal stenosis uh, in the cervical cervical area which is in my upper neck and ultimately uh, when after a couple of surgeries that tried to fix the problem I ended up a quadriplegic that took me roughly uh, a year and a half to regain um, much of my independence and it would this injury took me took me out of school Um, I was in the middle of college at the University of Arizona and uh, I had to leave school and move back to Albuquerque but after about three semesters of recovery I returned to school and ultimately graduated from there but so being short statured to many people was a disability but for me it wasn't that slowed me down but it didn't necessarily uh i would i didn't ever consider myself disabled until i suffered that injury
1: and you're no longer a quadriplegic
5: no i still have some neurological damage in all four of my in my uh both my hands and arms as well as my legs uh, my left my left arm and leg are still pretty weak my right arm and, and leg are pretty strong are pretty strong so um, there I definitely have the def- the effects of the injury definitely still are limiting but I live a independent life albeit sometimes a little slow
1: what motivates
5: you to take the mediation course what interested me, in, or motivated me, in the mediation course was learning how to uh, actively listen, um, learning different ways to uh, find common agreement between two individuals. And my current job, though I'm not, I don't have the ability to really participate in a me- as a mediator, we as the nonprofit agency that's managing contracts between uh, the small business or a nonprofit and the state agency, who's the customer, it serves me to be able to ask questions in a way um, that help reach common ground. So I thought it was, I found it uh, applicable or or just a new a new an additional skill for uh, both as a leader and then in my specific job.
1: Sounds like you don't plan to do formal mediation. And there
5: are certain skills you've learned that help you. I would say that's correct, based on what I would, based on my current um, thoughts. I would say that if I ever do formal mediation, it would be f- um, as a volunteer or as a, a way of giving back to a community or a neighborhood. Um, I'm pretty involved with volunteerism um, f- through various nonprofits and schools, so I could see that mediation might be a an avenue where I can help people in, in different groups or different uh, situations try to find common agreement, but as far as a profession, I don't see myself as a professional mediator.
1: In this mediation class, what was
5: the most important
1: learning you've had?
5: I think the most important learning that I had was probably learning how to reflect and, and just the value of reaffirming people's perspectives and their thoughts and and what, and what how they're feeling about a situation I guess just simply restating things I never realized was or never had been formed as pointed out to me how how empowering it is to that individual so uh, I've already been able to use that professionally and not as a, as I was mentioning earlier not as a formally a mediation tactic but uh, it definitely uh, it's It's definitely improved my um ability to relate to to different groups.
1: What do you mean helped your build to relate
5: uh I would say that sometimes people can talk past each other and if you're sitting in the standing in the middle of a conversation uh where if you can restate one person's what one person is thinking and then restate what another person is thinking and these two it, Sometimes this in my experience in my brief experience um, it seems like it's it's I found success in helping each other the two parties um, recognize the situation and figure out ways to go forward from there
1: what's the hardest part of mediation that you've
5: learned? The hardest part of mediation is that I want to solve a problem, and mediation <laughs> as I, as I was taught over these last six weeks is that's not my job I mean I've always been a problem solver whether it's figure out the world when it's not necessarily um uh, my geometry is not necessarily built for the world but or solving problems for friends or or in work or or whatnot so I'm naturally always looking to solve a problem and that's not what this that's not what this art is for the artist to help to provide Open-ended questions and acknowledgments that allow uh, the participants in a mediation to uh, decide if a solution is possible.
1: Do you feel your disability impacts mediation in any way?
5: To some extent, but probably in the same in the same extent in the same way it, it affects my abilities in participating in a, a work meeting or participating in a class, and that is that. Uh, one of my limitations is that I don't write particularly clearly, or I should maybe, well, clearly and maybe that was a little bit of a Freudian slip, but uh, <laughs> I don't write particularly quickly, and uh, and so it seems like in mediation, for some mediators, a strategy is taking lots of notes so that the mediator can keep track of people's positions and interests. But for me, as as is in the case with meetings. I find even if I miss a point, I'm probably going to stay more on track by generally just listening um, and trying to take mental notes rather than taking written notes and getting behind on um, people's conversation.
1: I'm thinking about our listener, and do you feel they should take notes or they can remember everything by listening?
5: I guess that depends on, on how they are. I mean, I would say that uh, before my injury, I I took lots of notes, and I was I was always taking notes because I wrote much more quickly and to be honest, much more legibly. And uh, so, for me, I've ha- I've trained myself to pick out and remember the salient points of a conversation or of someone's speech or of someone's discussion. Probably better than I had to it's a it's a almost a survival skill, and it's a skill that I will um, use and apply to mediation if I ever were to practice it,
1: Matt. what else do you want to say that you haven't said?
5: I definitely think that um, these last six weeks weeks have been interesting. Um, I've learned, met a lot of interesting people like yourself, Suzanne, and uh, and the other people, and uh, it's one of those things where the first three weeks it seemed like a pain in the butt to get up early on a Saturday. <laughs> I'm used to getting up early Monday through Friday. I, I get to sleep in a little later than I do on a Monday on a weekday, but the last couple of weeks I started thinking, "Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss miss this uh, mm. routine," and so was it's it's a good group of people. I think everyone approached this with an open mind, but they all were expecting to get a little different thing or were finding their takeaways. And most of the people in the group, it doesn't seem like their their takeaway was necessarily they wanted to be a mediator, whether they wanted to ha- know the skills of a mediator so that they can be uh, more productive as listeners and possibly in their profession as well.
0: That's Matt Lohman and earlier we heard from Beulah John, two other trainees in the mediation program that was also taken by our co-host and interviewer, Suzanne Kreider. Suzanne has a chat with one more of the course participants, and we'll hear a bit more from the course trainer, Anne Leitze, when we continue on Peace Talks Radio right after this break. (laughs) It's Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls. You can hear this program again and all the programs in our series online at peacetalksradio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and some other popular podcast portals. Our co-founder Suzanne Kreider is with us today presenting interviews she did with her fellow coursemates who all took a six-session training course in mediation, held in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in late 2018. Trained mediators are often called in to help facilitate conversation and conflict resolution with parties in dispute in all kinds of areas, workplaces, families, neighborhoods. Indeed, mediation is really what the top diplomats employ as they try to work out high-level negotiations with nations in conflict. We've been hearing what some who took the Albuquerque course have been learning about mediation, as well as what the instructor hopes they have learned. We'll hear a bit more from the instructor, Anne Leitze, in a moment. But first, Suzanne Kreider has one more interview with one of her course-taking colleagues.
6: My name is Liliana Urban. Udvaz um, Lokmindenkit. Uh, this is a Hungarian expression to greetings, everyone. I'm a lawyer back home in Hungary. I'm a junior associate, and I've just finished the three years' practice, and I'm facing to the bar exam very soon.
1: Do you ever plan to only do mediation, or do you think you'll always have it as part of your legal toolkit? Um, my dream is to
6: be a part-time lawyer, to remain as a part-time lawyer, and build up my own business as a mediator. Now I work for an international law firm, and i believe i hope that they will be open for this because i'm sure that we can have clientele in a different field And if they see that they have other solutions and i will be as a mediator uh, i can work both because i can have my own clients as a mediator
1: What's the most important thing you've learned so far from class about mediation or about people's conflicts? Um, people conflicts has
6: a main core and it's very, very interesting to getting there. So it's very special, like peeling the onion. This is the expression what we use as a mediator. And it's very interesting because as a lawyer, we stay on surface with this we are we are we have different skills to find out to help the problem to find out the problem because we are looking at the acts but here you see something but in in underneath there are so many questions and this is really really interesting that like really you have to use really soft skills to get in there
1: For our listeners, what would you recommend for using those soft skills to get inside or peel the onion? I think you should never stuck to the problem, like
6: what you see first. Because if you just see that this is a problem, it's not true. Because maybe under that or next to this, there is something else. And you have to let the parties tell you what they need. So you have to wait. You have to really listen carefully because maybe they say just one word and it's so important and you have to follow this route. Like, where does it come from? Why she or he said that? Because maybe it's not about that problem. It's something else. Mm -hmm. And there is a connection.
1: Talk about the gems. So as mediators, as people learning mediation, we're supposed to be listening for gems. Are there any specific things you listen for when you're listening to people complain about a conflict?
6: I think their background, their they personality can make the problem um, sp- like spe- special because for them, everyone, the problem is different maybe the problem is the same but they are understanding in a different way because of their personality so you you have to focus on that you have to never forget about that we are different so they approach us it's some sometimes different you have to help them like if the, maybe one of them introverted you have to help on that way because his personality is like that So your approach is a kind of different, so you have to be really flexible. I think this is a way how you can see
1: really the gems. I'm an introvert, so I don't necessarily want to change. What would you do if you're mediating someone who is super quiet or super introverted? The great thing with this, you don't have to
6: change. You, You get support. So no one expects you to be a different person. This is the best. So we, I think the, as a mediator, you have to find out how you can support that person. So what is the way how you can help to open just a bit, just maybe for them, it's a huge step. And you just, you need that little, little, little skill. So just um, going step by step really slowly maybe this is the solution so you should never expect somebody to change
1: what do you feel is the hardest part about mediating
6: i think when someone is getting too emotional and you and they just can't handle this emotion and it's just going really really far away from from the real real problem or because just they are focusing something about something but they don't try to understand why they feeling that just the emotional part and they just stuck there with one feeling Um, because I think every situation you have to use your brain and your heart as well but sometimes the heart is too strong and this is really difficult
1: what would you do in that situation where someone's stuck on emotion. I think maybe sometimes
6: they need time. So mm, you, as a mediator, you never have to expect like there's an agreement, right, at time. Maybe for them, it's just burning out those emotions or just feeling it, it's enough. That time, so you have to accept it. Maybe they are getting too emotional, but this is the one step to going forward. So uh, it can be really good as well. So it's it's not a bad thing.
1: It's just difficult, but it's great. So you let them burn out the emotion, and that's scary, though. How do you stay grounded? Um, I think we don't have to involved I mean um,
6: it's very difficult sometimes to don't be a part of it you have to understand it but you can be a part of it mm. because if you if you just became part of that emotion that's bad you have to forget about yourself that time so you have to just accept it like help help to feel it for the person but never, to be a part of it.
0: That's Liliana Urban, one of the trainees at an Albuquerque mediation training course held in late 2018. We'll close now with a bit more Q&A between Suzanne Kreider and mediation trainer in charge of the course, Anne Leitze.
1: Think about our listeners, and they're in conflict. What's a tip you would give to our listeners to deal with conflict?
2: I think it may go back to what we said earlier, which is rather than judge, is to come from a place of curiosity. So if you can, rather than saying, well, that's ridiculous or that's stupid, if you can ask yourself, I wonder why that person believes that. I wonder why that person behaved that way. I think that's like the first line of defense to help you kind of broaden your view of the situation.
1: But don't we often guess wrong? Like, I think that person did it because he's a jerk.
2: I love it I love it well so then that jerk goes back to being (laughs) judgmental and so the trick is you don't have to know the answer I don't expect you to know I actually don't want you to know because then you're drawing a conclusion without all of the information what I want you to do is just switch from having a a conclusion about why they did it to coming from a place of curiosity and then if you decide to talk to that person you can come from a place again of curiosity as opposed to judgment and evaluation and black and white
1: sort of thinking this is super helpful one more question what else do you want to say that you haven't said Uh, i think that
2: these these skills i think everyone can learn them and I think that we can practice them all of the time. We can practice them anytime we have an interaction with somebody, somebody that we love or someone that we're in conflict with. Just these listening and coming from a place of curiosity rather than judgment. I just really feel like it makes my life more peaceful when I do that, it makes my life happier, and I think these skills are accessible to everybody.
0: That's certified mediation trainer Ann Lightsey with Suzanne Kreider. You can read more about Ann and hear full original interviews with all the guests in our program, plus read and share a partial transcript of their comments and link to other resources on mediation by visiting our website, peacetalksradio.com. That's peacetalksradio.com, where you can also hear or download and read about all the other programs in our series dating all the way back to 2002. Plus, there's a donate button there that allows you to help us continue this work. Our show is produced by our own nonprofit organization called Good Radio Shows Incorporated. We also get support from KUNM at the University of New Mexico and the Ties Fund from the Albuquerque Community Foundation. Support also comes from listeners like Betsy Christensen, who donated to honor her late parents, John and Audrey. Support, too, from the Spinal Health and Movement Center of Ruben Ramirez in Albuquerque's Knob Hill neighborhood. And other listeners like George and Sherry Coinus. Our program is distributed by the Public Radio Exchange, which also has a complete archive of our programs. Just search Peace Talks Radio at prx.org. That's prx.org. Nola Daves Moses is Executive Director of Good Radio Shows Incorporated. Allie Adelman composed and performs our theme music. For Suzanne Kreider, I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks for listening to and for supporting Peace Talks Radio.